filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster I'd like to apologize to everyone on behalf of the Filibuster Podcast for the assault on your eardrums perpetrated by one Benjamin K. Bromley. I don't think that's his actual middle initial, but I'm going it's with not. it. Q? No. Bromley? J. Bromley? No. Why do you not have a funny letter as your, your middle name? X? I think it's kind of funny. No. W? S. S. Benjamin S. Bromley. I- Ben's Bromley. Benjamin Snake Brown. Back in the day, one of my friends had a throwaway joke that has stuck with me forever, and I don't really know why. I'm going to see why, if you guys think it's funny. Um, when we first moved into our post- Well, with your setup. We, we first moved into our post-college house, and when you do that, you start to get, like, random junk mail, and some of it's not addressed correctly. It's more I think it's more common when you first uh, start to get your address out. Your, an address becomes attached to you, I, I guess is my best way of putting it. Um, and he got. I have a good follow up story for this. He got. Yes, go. Uh, his last name is Rourke, and he got an email addressed to his first name, correct middle initial, but instead of R O U, uh, was it R O U R K? It was P O U R K. And he looked at it and he said, he said his name, and he and he said pork. I hate that guy. Uh, and he threw the the mail away, and I don't know why, but I thought it was hilarious that he had created a separate character in his life that he hated. Uh, that had his name, except with one letter change, and it made his name uh, a dumb joke in that it was Hork. So, in the early days of the internet, I created aliases for myself to join, I don't know, AOL chat rooms. Because you were and, a nerd? Uh, Redwall message boards. Wait, what is that? And the yeah, Redwall? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't the, know what that is. Redwall was a series of uh, books by uh, uh, Brian Jakes. Uh, they were about... Uh, uh, anim- uh, they're anthropomorphic animals who are fighting against each other in kind of like a fantasy-esque uh, All right, situation. I'm going to stop you right there. Go back to the internet thing. So um, I was on internet chat rooms in the late 90s related to this and basically like squirrels and mice and the such were the good guys and like weasels and stoats and ferrets were the bad guys and whatever. Um, and so I've Somehow signed up for various things uh, with those names. And then to this day, my parents still get uh, paper mail uh, with my Redwall chat room name on it to their physical house in actual meat space. See, I feel good now because I'm definitely not the most nerdy with my story. Yeah. I, and the thing is, I don't the thing is, you gave it the right stinger. Many stories the about stinger of like meat that. space uh, so. is like, it's the perfect icing to that nerd cake. I mean, that's why I don't, I don't usually say meat space, but I felt it was just so appropriate well, you, for that story that I just had to throw it in there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had to put it in there. And now that we've broken it down um, more than sufficiently, hey, hey, welcome in. Ba-da-da-da-da. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Anthropomorphized Rodents podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United and other happenings in the world of soccer in and around the District of Columbia uh, and the United States. So welcome to the show. We've got a uh, not sad show for you tonight. I mean, th- there will be some sadness. Let's, let us not forget it's 2017. There will be some sadness. But it, on the, the scale, this is probably one of the less sad shows, uh, at least of recent weeks. DC United drew Toronto FC 1-1. to We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some news and rumors in dc united land um and we'll we'll leave you with a very brief mention of dc united's upcoming game against rail salt lake saturday seven o'clock on news channel eight or you know at rfk stadium if you're so inclined to physically be at the stadium ben what would that be called if you physically find yourself in a place (laughs) Uh, what just move past it adam (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Jason, what are you drinking? I, uh, I was waiting for my computer to restart, and I was kind of delaying things, so I decided not to delay things with a drink. So I just poured myself a uh, double of uh, Rudo Añejo tequila. Neat. Uh, just trying to keep it simple, and also trying to handle the All barrage right. of things that have happened uh, having to do with this podcast. Yes, there are many and varied things that have happened, um, even tonight. Uh, I am drinking a mezcal, lime mezcal shrub. It's delicious, and in fact, I, I should use the past tense because it's gone. The the various things we had to talk about before we started recording, and suddenly my drink is gone, so during the break I'll have to, to get a refill. Uh, but it's tasty, and I'm also, I guess the first bit of sadness is my mezcal is gone. No, that was the last of it. Did so you I have the to worm? find more mezcal. That there was no worm in it. That Most of them don't no have worm, worm in my mezcal. Why not? Why not? Because they're not tequila. The internet is full of lies. The taught me anything. Uh, neither neither product has uh, worms. As we very learned often, and if it does, it's probably a gimmick <laughs> rather than something you should actually bother with. So now you learn something. Internet, go yeah. spread your lies somewhere else. Right. It's like elsewhere on the internet. No. Just how about nowhere? Ben, spread your lies. What are you drinking? But, but I don't have any lies. I'm drinking what I'm drinking, and it's not a lie. The I'm people drinking, at home don't know that. How can I'm they drinking, trust you? I mean, it, they probably shouldn't on most things, but on what I'm drinking, they should trust me. Uh, I'm drinking a uh, persimmon wheat beer from uh, Center of the Universe's Origin Beer Lab. It's their experimental brewery in Ashland, Virginia. And um, we went to a nice dinner next... Uh, to a restaurant next door, and then it was right next door, and we had some persimmon wheat beer, and then uh, we got a growler of it to take home with us. That story wraps up way too nicely. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, another thing. Should, 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 should I sing some more 25 or 6 to 4? And by, <laughs> by sing, I mean brutally do the horn part. I'm going to speak on behalf of every single one of our I, listeners I, when I say, say yes. hell no. <laughs> You have Again, Jason to blame on behalf for that. of everyone at Filibuster, I apologize. No, not for everyone. Jason approved of that. Yes, just for me, because Ben doesn't apologize. Jason, I'm the only one apologizing to you. I have your back, listeners. I just can't do anything about it. I just don't want to talk about... I mean, this week there's actually, you know, not a terrible loss to talk about. DC United had perhaps their best start of a game thus far in 2017. Yeah. On Saturday against Toronto FC, taking an early lead through Kofi Opare before Lloyd Sam got himself sent off, and deservedly so. Down a man, DC United had probably their best defensive performance of 2017, keeping Toronto from firing any shots on target after the red card. Um, DC United even managed to score another goal in that game in the wrong net. In the end, a one to one draw. Um, and everybody goes home feeling like they could have, should have, would have gotten more out of it. I know Toronto FC, well in front of everyone for the Supporter Shield, certainly felt disappointed in that result. And, but for a fluky own goal, DC United comes out of that game against the Supporter Shield leaders with a win. An improbable win at that. Uh, ben, how about that start, though? The first nine minutes was hot fire. Really great. Was a lot of shots on target. It was DC United passing well. It was DC United... Uh, doing well on set pieces, and it all culminated with uh, Kofi Opare getting on the end of a set piece, uh, a corner kick, and heading the ball in. And it was it was like vintage 2016 DC United. They were, uh, they were playing fast, they were playing well, they uh, had, a, had, a, had a mindset and a goal, and they stuck to it, and they went for it, and it was something we hadn't seen basically all year this far. Yeah, I would be careful about saying lots of shots on target. Uh, United had several opportunities and shots, but only the one went on target. Uh, on target in the metaphorical sense, not the Kurt Larson screw you sense. Well, I mean, it, words have meanings, and I, I do want to no, talk about some of that finishing. Deshaun Brown had a couple of good opportunities. Um, one of them created it almost entirely by himself, and he couldn't put his shots on goal. If he... If he had better finishing boots, then he would, I would say he, there wouldn't be much of a debate about whether he's coming back next year. Right now, I think it's an open question. But, uh, I think it was really key uh, by Jason, what did you make about pressure, United's uh, More than start. anything else, their, their ability to press the ball uh, all over the field, 
Um, the fact that I think they sensed within the first 90 seconds that TFC had the sort of the classic malaise that sets in when you're top of the table and you're playing the worst team in the league. Um, and United sensed it and took advantage really quickly and, uh, put themselves in charge right away. Um, really took the game to Toronto. Um, and I think it's kind of summed up in how they scored the goal, which is, uh, Opare bullied Eric Zavaleta and then kind of pushed him into another defender and then beat the both of them to win that header to, to score the goal. It's the kind of thing we haven't seen enough of from DC United on set pieces, first of all. Um, seeing our big players go out and actually not just show that they are large and strong and can win some battles, but winning a battle with almost like arrogance about it. Um, that was really nice to see. It's something that it's too little too late, but it would be nice to see it keep happening because, you know, we need to see something established for next year. And that's one thing that those guys need to need to do more of is, uh, um, if the service is good or even half good or decent, um, then you should be winning some of those balls. It shouldn't just be, uh, the ball has to be perfect for it to, to work out. Um, I think they were, they were overall that there was a lot to like about the first 10, 15 minutes and then maybe a 10 minute period where TFC sort of got themselves together and the game sort of leveled out. Nothing really happened. Um, for a while there was other than TFC getting some yellow cards. Um, uh, for um, fouling uh, Luciano Acosta. What a novel concept, somebody uh, committing fouls on Lucho. Um, it was kind of entertaining to me to see uh, TFC getting very upset about that while Lucho got, you know, six, I think it was six fouls called his way. Um, but also... I mean, Michael, Mike, Michael Bradley, well, like, bowling over Lucho and then trying to... That, let, let's Alan be clear, Chapman, that we don't have a Beckham was, in MLS in terms of getting away just, with things to referees, right. but no one in the league currently can remonstrate more uh, aggressively than Michael Bradley without getting in trouble, because he kept doing it. Uh, yes, yes. He chased the referee around the field at one point after not asking yeah, for 10 yards, or at least not asking for, for 10 yards to be paced off, and then just kicking the ball into Deshaun Brown's that is on him. Uh, man bits. Right. Yeah, um, and, then and he, it would have been his then second. He chased Alan Chapman around. But, uh, no, if any other player no, had Brad, done that, it would have been a yellow card. And Bradley gets just getting in his face. Bradley gets yeah, and it would have been his second. He should have been of protection, off. and he, he committed that's a the reality of it, after that that I thought were yellow card worthy um, as well. But yeah, the, those first twenty minutes, I think uh, we saw what this team is capable of against a good team, and it kind of there is a note, and I think Steven Streff included this in one of his post game pieces was. There is a note of, uh, while it was nice for the night and it was fun. And I, I did, I, I did mention to a couple people that what was really nice about this game as a whole was because of the contest it turned into, you could sort of forget the whole season for a few minutes and just say, like, let's just do, let's fight this 90 minutes out and take some pride in tonight only and forget the fact that it doesn't matter in the standings. It's not, um, even winning this game, winning this game by 10 goals wouldn't have really changed anything. Uh, this season is gone. We can't recover it at this point. Um, but it was it was fun to see. But going back to um, the first 20 minutes, it is kind of, there is a sort of a bittersweet note to it because it's like, well, if this team is capable of playing like this against against Toronto without Ian, and while missing Ian Harks, where's this been all year? Um, where, where I mean, without Ian Harks and Patrick Nyanko, so... Two of the better starters in the midfield aren't on the field. We're playing against a full-strength Toronto FC, the best team in MLS, and we actually showed that we can play up to those guys sometimes. Um, and so it kind of makes it makes the rest of the season a little bit irritating uh, because you know that it was kind of a wasted year uh, in, in a lot For of ways. For at least a stretch. Yeah, I think Jared Jeffrey and Marcelo both stepped up in a big way in this game. Um, huh. Not just... I, I mean, they're... They're both going to be sitting on the bench before uh, too much longer, uh, depending on how this transfer window plays out. But they they both had very good games in this one, and they were both positionally disciplined, which was a big part of the defensive showing after Lloyd Sam was sent off. And United managed, like I said earlier, they managed to keep Toronto from firing any shots on target after the red card, which is an insane stat. This is Sebastian Jovinko. Victor Vasquez, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, the team that arguably should have won if you believe in, you know, um, expected goals. If you believe in fairness, yeah, expected goals. 
not fairness. Fairness isn't the right word. If you believe in deserving yeah. wins fairness based on bold. how you play, um, then they should have won MLS Cup. They're- their best shot year, actually came before the red card. They had card. no shots on target um, in the second they half. They had that ball that Vasquez slipped in for Giovinco. That's a, that's that, a strong um, defensive If Hamid isn't so quick to get down to the ground, because it's one of those shots that's close to the goalkeeper, yeah. but that actually makes it more difficult because it's it's not close enough for him to get his feet to. Uh, and so he has to really throw himself at the ground and get a hand down there really quick. And it was kind of an awkward save, but in that situation, awkward. it's either awkward save or watching the ball go into the goal. Um, so Hamid did really well with the one true chance that TFC carved out, um, on their own. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's, a it, it's a pretty fascinating thing. I mean, on one hand it does, I think Ben Olsen, the way he put it was it simplifies the way you have to play, uh, because you essentially aren't really interested in buildups at all. So there's not a lot of like, how do we move in a way that doesn't expose us too much going forward? Because the answer is like, well, we're not going, like, don't get exposed at all going forward. Um, and they did have a couple moments where they got, um, there was a moment where Lucho used a uh, nutmeg pass and the ball, the, it didn't quite turn into a shot on goal. So they brought the ball back. Lucho got it again and he went for the exact same thing. And that was the only time I think where United had their fullbacks kind of pushed up a little bit. TFC countered, but fortunately, um, they got slowed down just enough where it didn't turn into anything, but it was one of those like three or four seconds where it was like this, if they're going to score, it's going to be now. It's going to be this one moment of we got caught too many numbers up and someone makes a an ambitious decision on the ball. I mean, Lucha's going to look for nutmegs. That's just part of his makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, the 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 fight and the discipline showed during the the uh, second half was really is really impressive because uh, not only did they limit TFC, but they also frustrated TFC. It wasn't like TFC felt like they were that close to scoring. It was, they were frustrated because they knew that they weren't even getting close. Um, and that might be part of the reason why they were so quick to jump on the referee and, and quick to commit fouls and things like that. It was just that they were irritated. The game was not going the way that they thought it was supposed to. And they were, they were pretty upset about it. I, I, you're mentioning the fullbacks reminded me of something we saw early in the game. And that was Sean Franklin making 2014 Sean Franklin runs. Um, for, for in the last couple of weeks are really the only time I, I can remember seeing this this year. Mm-hmm. Granted, he started off playing center back, but even last year, he wasn't making these forward to, to use a phrase that I don't love underlapping runs where the winger stays outside and he goes inside of them, past them, past the forward and tries to get into the box and get on the end of a pass. And he's made a few of those to really good effect these last couple of games and, that's the shot. That's a part of his game that is probably it's probably the strongest part of his game when he's doing it. And the thing that most differentiates him from other fullbacks. I don't know that there's a spot for him on this team going forward this year or certainly next year. But if he is on the field, it, those I do want to see that. Great. I, I don't I, I feel like he wasn't able to collect the ball and distribute the ball that well. Even he was making those runs. The runs themselves were fine, but I think he wasn't able to collect the ball and distribute the ball well enough to make those runs worth it. Well, he's at that point, he's not really dis- well, his job's not to distribute the ball. His job's to get it and try to finish. And you're right. He that part was not as strong. But the the off the ball work was was really strong from him. And I, you know, we we've rightfully, I think, um, pointed out okay. some deficiencies I mean, in his play there this might year be a, and it's a tactical reason for i this, think though, fair um, to show because to, with to a brand this, new player nicholas was starting in an his otherwise first ever game year in MLS, um, on, on for him, i'm sorry i'm getting the flanks confused um with justin morrow being such an attack-minded uh wingback and with victor vasquez playing left of center in their 3-5-2 you're gonna have that space between that behind them um where if your winger pulls wide he's gonna have space to create so while sam was on the field that's him um and maybe the idea is like let's let Sam create, be creative without necessarily hitting crosses, and Franklin can be the one coming in and attack. It could be something that they looked at from TFC and said like this is a thing that teams are maybe getting they're making happen once or twice a game. Maybe this is an element that um, we can take advantage of because it it looked like overall I, I'll say that both with eleven and with ten it seemed like United had TFC pretty well scouted. Um, it seemed like they had a handle on what TFC wanted to do and what they didn't want their opponents to do, and they managed to 
do a lot of things that TFC didn't want them to do. They managed to uh, keep TFC from playing the game they wanted to play. Even when they were down to 10, they still restricted TFC from having the, the, the game, the term, the terms of the game were not to TFC's favor. And that's, you know, that's a pretty big job to do because most weeks TFC and their three, five, two, everyone knows what they're going to do. And yet most weeks they just get to play the game that they want to play anyway. Um, so that's, that's an interesting thing that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there was a. And this is an example of Olson maybe out coaching Vanny, but he certainly had things more to his uh, favor than TFC would have wanted. Part of it too is I'm sure. I'm sure that TFC arrived and they probably knew from the warm up that their players weren't psyched up for this game. They were like, "We're here. We're, sh- we're DC's bad. We're here to win. It's fine. We just have to show up and not screw up anything." And then they found a competitive, feisty team against them. Like, oh, come on. This is such a pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the attitude that TFC had for a lot of this was like, oh, we have, do we have to do this? Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's not ideal that DC's in, in the situation where they are looked at as the team that you just show up and beat. Um, but at least, you know, with the, that being part of the game, they actually made that count to their favor, which is nice. So let's talk, uh, about some more tactical stuff. Ben Olsen um, pulled some different cards out of his, his deck in the second half here. Uh, he obviously came out very front foot for, for DC United in whatever variation of 4-5-1 you want to call this this lineup, 4-2-3-1, whatever. In the second half, obviously, down a man that those numbers don't work. You have to come up with something else. He played... Initially came out with Deshaun Brown playing up top by himself and Lucho Acosta nominally on the left. Um, switched out Acosta at one point, yeah. or switched out Brown for Nagel. Switched up to a four-four-one-zero with Acosta playing double duty as a, an attacking midfielder and forward when it called for it. Just acting as an outlet, essentially, that wasn't totally disconnected from the midfield. And then things got interesting. <laughs> from there. Well, I think I, I think things got interesting before that. I, I, I disagree with your setup. Uh, I think when Deshaun Brown and Lucho were there together, uh, I found that fairly interesting because it, it was very brief, but it looked to me like a 4-3-2 or a 4-3-0-2 or whatever. Um, it looked like a the the two forwards being Lucho and see, I would Brown, actually say that they were playing Jurgen a diamond Kunzman with Lucho as the three man midfield um, shield where yeah. uh, it, it was like a, a diamond without a point and then the back four and I mean it, it could be that as well uh, and and that would also fit but I, I feel like the midfield was a was that Jurgen Klinsmann shield that we love to hate yeah. but when you have ten men it makes sense was well, it um. Uh, and I, I then say, it transitioned the, to the move the, to the, the four four one zero four four one zero. That um, is and the idea is pretty simple but not there. Like, and okay, then it transitioned to the very interesting. Uh, we're going to be solid as far as one. that goes. Lucho's up front. Um, he's got to drop in to deal with help deal with Bradley uh, when they're in possession. But the other idea is like if there's one player on the team that could possibly dribble five guys uh, and create something out of his own, it's going to be Lucho. So it's like, all right, look. If he gets the ball on the run, it's sort of a, you know, a lottery ticket kind of ploy. Um, but he actually could pull that out. And there were a couple times where he did beat the first or second man and then eventually got crowded out. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a, to me, that's a more interesting way to play it than what I thought, which is what I thought Nagel was just going to come in up front and it was going to be a straightforward, um, like for like sub. And it was going to be like, all right, here's our fastest player off the bench. Um, He's just going to chase down balls over the top, and that'll be that. Um, but the way TFC lines up, they don't have, with with three in the back, that space isn't there as much. Um, because if you're playing a back four against ten, it's almost like you're playing two in the back. Um, and so as long as they stayed with the three, that running onto a ball over the top isn't really there, because they can always drop uh, the set that you know Drew Moore most likely would just drop deeper um, whenever he senses that the ball's about to come. He's immediately dropping off because he knows what the whole play is. Um, so to play Lucho instead and say like, we're going to have, we're going to have to beat them on the dribble anyway. So we might as well send our best dribbler forward uh, to deal with that. That was fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, then uh, we had the shift with uh, Chris Ordeachim coming in. That was briefly, briefly a four, four, one zero still. 
uh, but very quickly, within like a 90 second span, became 531, and it worked. Yep. Um, very interesting. Yeah. With it. Yeah. 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 And Odui Atchum well, did step out a lot into to help out in the midfield when when Toronto tried to overload like, that side, like a wing back would. would shift over. It was it was a very fluid. It looked very well drilled. Uh, which which is it was weird, interesting enough. They it, haven't it, seen. It, it was interesting yeah, enough and it was only almost, effective like, at stopping TFC. To almost make um, me wish they would which was try the only it goal some other time. time. Not um, not down man, but I, I, obviously it wasn't nearly enough, and not within nearly enough personnel well, to. Make I think that was a, really wish that, but I think that was a consequence of TFC eventually when they brought in Raheem right. Edwards were basically playing. And I said, Although I, I, the I felt like they got forward our, um, a little more in that formation than any of their other one man reaction piece, but. If you ever wanted to see a two three five live and in person uh, without a time machine, this was pretty much as close as you're going to get because they had when they brought out uh, Zavaleta, um, they were basically leaving two guys back. Uh, it was Drew Moore and um, uh, I want to say Mavingo was still in, so it was those two. Um, Bradley was slightly ahead of them, and then you had the wingbacks pushing up as old school outside uh, forwards. Um, Raheem Edwards, and this is actually why I think Odo Atchum came into the game and not Latou, for example, um, was Raheem Edwards came in and was immediately the fastest player on the field for either team. When TFC brought him in, that was the whole idea is like, all right, if we're going to be having Bradley swing the ball wide, we want to torch them with Edwards' speed on the left. United replied with their fastest player, um, and it was actually kind of a textbook job for Odo Atchum because it's like, look... You have a player, he's, he's, Edward is a teenager still, he's inexperienced, um, but he's super fast and he's very dangerous when he does have time and space on the ball, which he usually gets because he's faster than everyone else, but you're not slower than him. You can actually keep up with him. So just, it's almost, it's not quite man marking, but it's close to it. Um, because the job when you send him in is like, that guy is their fastest player, that's what they want to do, don't let him beat you. And... Odoi Atchum, to his immense credit, did not get beaten once. Uh, he owned that side of the field when he came in. Um, he did kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, he actually even made one so great there's, breakout where the ball got sent upfield, and he overcame probably a twenty-yard right. head start for the defender and beat him to the ball. It was everyone around me was gasping at Odoi Atchum's speed from the the far side. There's, of the, there's a guy uh, that sits the stadium. Uh, in was, my section. That, that play in particular was fun to watch, even really though that's not what he was in there for, and that's um, not. But, uh, he turned. He, he comes to yeah, every game where just he was about, actually he really, really successful. The it was still so a great moment to see him just get out and showcase that. They're not playing often. He doesn't know much about them. And he turned to me after the play that Adam's talking about, and he said, "Why isn't this guy in the lineup more often?" Why isn't this guy on the field? And I was like, that's a good question, because we could probably use some speed. Um, and he just showed how fast he is, which is ridiculously fast. Um, there was also that moment where he got forward to try and help an attack. It didn't pan out. The attack went the other way, and he ended up with a 90-yard run back. And he beat Edwards to the ball uh, to shut down the end of that. That was that was a ridiculous amount of sprinting for any human to endure and still be at a high level at the end of it. They might have been right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it. It. I mean, I. I do. There are knocks. I mean, I want to be fully on board this bandwagon because he's. A, he's I think a those turf, two plays but, were back to back. I mean, even. there is the knock after he made the, he's not the most technically up the field. The he had to make the recovery um, run back and did so. And and United. It, I in an ideal situation, United does want their fullbacks to be gifted on the ball and able to be comfortable in the passing game. It's something that they've relied on. That's part of the reason why Nick DeLeon ended up spending some time there. Um, Bandwagon. But at the same time, sometimes you just need that raw speed that that changes the game by itself. It's the reason why a guy like Dominic Oduro has stuck around in MLS for so long, despite not being the cleanest player on the ball at all. Um, Yedlin's another good example. Like, when you're that fast, it changes... You're playing almost a different game than everyone else. Um... And it also helps that when you're that fast, you can deal with the other teams sending in a, the, an elite speed yeah, kind of player. You can deal with it. Um, it's a nice thing to have, and maybe it would help uh, United to have a player that fast in the lineup all the time. Um, certainly with the season dwindling away, transfers or no, um, I mean, you got to get the kid on the field some, right? Just so that he gets better down the road. Yeah. I mean, it worked for DeAndre Yedlin. 
who was not the cleanest player when he came in and now indeed uh, has been called the best fullback in the championship and is a lock to start for the U.S. national team when they have a full roster. So minutes seem to help players develop, funnily enough. Hey, Ben, think about that. Yeah. And on that note, we will be right back. Stick around. It's Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious in a... I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster. Instead of giving our usual in-depth preview of DC United's next opponent, which in this case is Real Salt Lake, who who will be visiting RFK Stadium Saturday night. That'll be at 7 p.m. on News Channel 8 if you can't make it to the stadium. Um, We're not going to talk about that game much because the dang There's no time. Trey, pass this out. Trey, Uh, pass this out. None of us can do even like a one percent no. of a Petkey accent. No, Petkey is is too hard to he's, to do. He can't be imitated. He is uh, wholly unique to his credit and his holy jersey. Um, we are not going to preview that game tonight. Um, instead, we are going to talk about the many, 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 many transfer rumors and actual news items and whatever else. They things are literally breaking as we are recording this and so the list will just get longer as things break what our <laughs> listeners be a don't live know list is that this show here. is not going to end uh we're just going to keep doing a podcast forever it's just like last week right up until our show becomes part of reality and it just loops into itself forever you're stuck here we're all stuck here show me your show <laughs> it's an ouroboros episode it's just the snake no, keeps not, eating not, not just an episode it's an ouroboros podcast start listening when, you have to but continue. also once we get on that path like the entire for, for, the entire fabric of our existence becomes uh an ouroboros and so uh all of yeah. us everywhere yeah. so once any once once anyone starts listening seven to this podcast, billion must always plus listen to the citizens podcast. of earth you're all trapped in a podcast ouroboros <laughs> I, I i wish we had that amount of listeners well it doesn't matter once once well, one person listens that's all we gotta do and then it's the whole world. We are here for your entertainment. We are sincerely Hope you like DC sorry. United. <laughs> <laughs> or don't like yourself. Those are your options. Item the first. Done deal. Bruno Miranda has signed an 18-month loan with DC United. Uh, Bolivian teenager plays up top, uh, often at wide forward. So seems like he could fit in at wide midfield for DC United. Um Coming from the Chilean league, seems like uh, screw Chile. Ben is. I, I ben know is that's also, how you feel. Bad. I'm told that Chile Google. is quite nice, actually. Yeah, I want to go to Chile. No, <laughs> Ben is just anti-Chile at this point. Yep. Uh, Jason, thoughts on uh, Bruno Miranda? A pretty interesting signing. I mean, anytime you have a guy who's 19 and yet already has three caps for his national team at at any any national team, that's pretty good by itself. Um, the fact that we're talking about Bolivia, DC United's history with Bolivia, that, that matters. I think that, that adds something to this. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see him. I mean, we didn't get a chance to see him this weekend because his, um, 
paperwork wasn't completely done as far as his eligibility to be on the roster and take the field. Um, but I think I think we're definitely going to see him. You know, the uh, we're, we're I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we've already seen Lamar Nagel traded away uh, literally today as we record on Monday. Um, not even that long before we started recording. Um, and that's no, not, it's not even the most it never recent, ends because uh, you're part of the podcast Ouroboros now. Um, but the fact that the fact that yeah, he can play on the wing as well as up front, um, I think he actually like as a as far as his profile as a player and as as far as the limited amount of scouting knowledge that Ryan Kiefer did by watching him play for the Bolivia under twenties, um, we know he's capable of that. It is it it seems to me very much a let's swap out Jose Ortiz who isn't really working for this system at all. Um, and is 24. Let's swap him out for someone who's 19. Um, so if you if you've got a guy who's one for the future, who's on loan as sort of a, a feeling out phase, that's the kind of age you should be looking at. And he fits at least in profile, fits the system a little more, where he can play on the wings as well as up front. Um, the team says he's 5'11". I had seen listings that had him lower, but transfer markets height listings are very scattershot so I don't necessarily trust them as much as I trust if the team says he's 5'11 they probably measured him because they gave him a physical um so I'm going to believe go ahead and believe that and 5'11 you start to, that's a height where you can play alone up front um 5'8 the transfer market listing I'm pretty skeptical of a guy playing up front uh in MLS at 5'8 uh he better be spectacular um which if he is then he doesn't come here on loan uh for for that, uh, Joao Plata was a Joao like Plata? a, a once in a lifetime kind of thing, and remember he lasted to like number fifty in the draft. So uh, don't don't doubt the don't doubt the guys that can dribble. Um, yeah, that's what I'm teams saying. that draft that listen to this podcast. Um, but no, he 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 fits the he fits the profile uh, for sure of something that listening. United could use. Um, and the the avenues are there for him to get time right away. I mean, Patrick Nyako's hurt right now. Um, we know Sebastian Latou is only going to contribute so much. Um, Lloyd Sam has a suspension next week. So with Nagel out, Nagel, I mean, he got traded today. Um, Sam suspended. We might see Bruno Miranda starting, uh, against RSL. Um, I spent, I mean, Nick DeLeon is playing on the wing as is just to fill in, uh, because of a lack of other options. So, um, we may be looking at Miranda getting a start right away, which is nice because look, DC United versus RSL is going to be the most meaningless game in MLS next week. Um, let's be honest. Both of those teams are not going to the playoffs. So we might as well learn something about the players on the team. And, you know, let's see what the kid can do. Um, I feel like um, he, he's not going to be too far out of shape. I and mean, we'll find out more this week, I'm sure, about his fitness levels. Because, as we pointed out, there's a real need for wingers to start this weekend. So... Um, if he's fit enough to start, we're going to hear about it, I think. Um, I don't think this is one we're going to surprise. We'll surprise RSL because I'm sure they haven't gotten too much of a look at him either. But, um, as far as whether he's going to be in a starting lineup or not, if we hear that he's fit to play 60 minutes, I would go ahead and assume he's going to start out of sheer need. Um, but no, I mean, just the age and the profile, it's, it's a pretty positive, uh, it's a pretty positive look. It's definitely more exciting to me than Ortiz, who I was skeptical of fitting in here from the beginning because he wasn't really an out-and-out striker. He's not really an out-and-out wide player. So where was he going to fit in? We saw that he didn't. Um, Miranda, at least on, you know, as advertised, he does fit the the profile of what United needs a little more. Also in the attacking, hopefully goal-scoring winger department, DC United has a brand newly, brand newly, brandly new, brand new, uh, newly minted, whatever, however, I, I lost the adverb, adverb, one. adverb, adverb. Yes, always adverb. Uh, they have a new designated player that is all but announced at this point. Well, not uh, actually a designated player, but. Well, it sounds like he, he could be. It sounds like his salary is over a million. We don't know. There's been no announcement yet. Uh, Zoltan Stieber, Hungarian international, uh, joining the team yep. on a transfer fee from. Uh, who's he playing for? Kaiser Slotten. Over in the the second Bundesliga, uh, he comes over. He's got he's had some experience in the top flight in Germany. Um, winger wingers from Hungary have had 
some success, or I should say winger from Germ- from Hungary has had some success in MLS. Christian Nemeth plays on that national team, obviously did very well with Sporting Kansas City before going abroad and then trying to come back here. Nemeth was linked with DC United, and now they have his national team teammate uh, coming over. He was in attendance on Saturday for the draw against Toronto and was spotted at training today. So it seems like it's, it's pretty well done and dusted. He, if everything clears for him, he could be a guy that starts, he's coming off his off season. Um, so I don't know if he could start this weekend or not, probably not, but I, if all his paperwork comes through, I expect that he's to see in the him European in the team, uh, off season. at least in the 18 for this. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that that's what I was saying. That's why I don't expect him to start. But if he could go even 15 minutes, you know, throw, throw him in the 18 because we need warm bodies. Yeah, I mean, he won't start this week and probably not next week. But this is a consequential signing for Dave Casper and DC United. It is a signing that is a... It, it, it talks about wh- where they think they're going. And it talks about where they are with their new amount of money and... They don't, they're not, this is the first transfer window where they're not constricted to uh, the RFK stadium uh, trying to find the bargain basement uh, player bin. And if this player doesn't turn out and if other players don't turn out over this window and the next window, then it's time to reevaluate the player evaluation uh, decision maker. Who will evaluate the evaluators? Me. Us. This podcast. That's true. That is the role of punditry and criticism in society. Thank you, Ben, for, for making me realize that. Yeah. Is it, that's why we're here. I don't think that's what we're, we're here, here to do. We're here to throw rocks against nothing and I haven't thrown nothing and Listeners, nothing. I want you to know that literally none of that us... That really our, existential, Ben. That was even more existential <laughs> than my we, thing. This is our 249th episode, <laughs> and none of well, us have thrown a rock on the show. You drove me into darkness. Ever. You drove me into darkness. We have zero rocks thrown, so I don't know what Ben is talking about. I'm talking about literal rocks. I think that's what you were talking about before. I feel like we've thrown a couple of metaphorical. You would never throw a rock? That's also ridiculous. No, no, no. No, I I, I would never throw a, a physical. I would only throw medical. What about, what about skipping a stone in a lake, rocks? That's throwing a rock. <laughs> if you Come get on. drunk and you see some rocks, you're going to throw some rocks. That's just a fact of now, life. Now, now you're all being pedants. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> anyway. That signing just about done. Um, Long term provides another option, which is nice. On the wing, he gets half a season. It, it's well, it's a, a really nice thing to have, and it's also to get himself to go acclimated back to, Miranda, to MLS. Um, and then the loan is through we'll twenty eighteen for preseason really next year because yeah, now that's... both of those guys get their dealing with MLS out of the way, which we've seen over and over again. It takes signings from abroad, it, especially attacking signings. It usually takes you know four to six months before guys actually start to get acclimated. Um, so we get to get that out of the way in a season where the stakes are pretty much gone. Um, and then next year, come March, we get to see like how much of an impact are they really going to make. Um, and I think with both players, it's important to stay. I mean, I know this is the last thing people want to hear, but it's important to stay patient while they get acclimated to the league and look for the... the you want to see flashes of the right stuff from both of them. Um you want to see both players show that they can execute at a higher level than what we've got on the roster, um, especially Steber. I mean, the pressure on him is a lot different than the pressure on Miranda. Um, when you're talking about the the money that's been bounced around uh, with that one, um, and and maybe people aren't going to be patient with yeah. him if he's only showing in flashes. I think people need to see if it's like a well, he's playing really well, except he's not very fit right now because of the offseason. I think people might understand that. But if it's just like, well, he should have flashed in this game and flashed in that game, um, there might be a little more of a discontent. Um, and we already saw today, um, for anyone that was spending their time staring at Twitter and various other outlets waiting for more news to happen, uh, perhaps if you run a soccer blog, you're familiar with this uh, concept, um, the, there was a weird backlash to Steber during the day, which was basically like, oh, well, he came from the second Bundesliga and he's costing a lot of money and maybe they overpaid and maybe he's not actually going to be good. And it just sort of snowballed because the team is bad right now. And people are assuming, I think with that, I don't want to say that it's dumb to think this, but, um, it's not completely fair, but not completely unfair to assume the worst right now. 
um, because of the way the season's going. But I think we should take the step back and, and take the deep breath and say, like, let's let's judge this guy on his merits and see what he actually can do. Um, because I don't think we have much of a much of, if any, knowledge base on what he can do. Um, but the fact that he's starting for Hungary, that he played in Euro 2016, um, those things are good. Uh, those are good indicators that he can play a little bit. Um, Christian Namath came in with a similar profile when he arrived with Sporting Kansas City. Uh, that turned out really well. Um, I don't right, um, and and I don't think that United's spending that kind of money that on a guy into a million dollar uh, without out of big MLS. confidence in him. Um, and this isn't this isn't a situation where to go back to uh, Marcelo Gallardo, where they came so close to signing Juan Sebastian Verone. And it was the moment that they should have taken that step back and say, like, okay, we didn't get our guy. We can deal without. Um, and instead they said, we didn't get our guy. Let's get another guy. Um, and they ended up with a perennially injured guy who was not cut out for MLS. Um, there is no, for, yeah, for like a month, um, he was spectacular, but then he got hurt and, and that was it. Um, there's no, there was no, like, this isn't brilliant. Steeper and, and Gary Medell, who we'll get to, they aren't, signings that were like yeah. Medell wasn't plan A and Steber's plan B. They don't play the same position at all. Um Steber appears to be plan A as far as the the adding and attacking piece goes. Um so I mean as far as we know, we for all we know they could have kept something completely under wraps that fell through and, and he is plan B. Well we don't know that. Um so let's assume that he's plan A. Um and, and hopefully that experience uh at a higher level um during his time in the Bundesliga, I'm not going to say the two Bundesliga is a higher level in the MLS, but, um, and, and Kaiser Slattern is a club that, it, it, that's a club that for the most part of their history has been a Bundesliga club. So the expectations there are very intense. The fact that they're not in the Bundesliga is irritating to their, that fan base for sure. Um, so he's been through more pressure than he's going to endure here, if, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, so he, I think he's up to having that salary and that burden on his back. Um, but we'll, we'll see pretty quickly, um, what he can do and how they plan to use him is going to be interesting to me because we, we know that he's primarily a left winger, but he can also play on the right. He can play in the middle. Um, I don't think he's going to play too much in the middle. Um, as long as Lucho's around, he's not going to play much in the middle, but, um, is he on the left and Patrick Nyaka going back to the right, which is where he played most of his career before he moved here? Um, is Nyako going to stay on the left and Steber's going to play on the right? I don't know. Um, We'll find out pretty quickly, at least hopefully pretty quickly. Hopefully Nyako's back soon and we can actually see what that front three or that three attacking midfielders, what they look like as a group. Because I feel like that's on paper, that's a really good start to 2018. Um, if you get those three actually working in concert really well, then uh, you're on to something, I think. As Jason alluded to, DC United has been going in hard for Gary Medell. Uh, uh, yes. Chilean international played the last yeah, two he's World been Cups there for, a for Chile, while. Uh, one uh, Copa America or two. Was he on both Copa America teams? I think he was. So he's he's lifted some, yeah, lifted lifted some silverware with Chile. Uh, currently under contract with Inter, who of course is partially owned by Eric Tohir, majority owner of DC United. Uh, United had reportedly, according to Steve Goff, raised their offer to him uh, to. Two years, $10 million guaranteed, plus a $7.5 million transfer fee to Inter. It sounds like that will not be enough. Goffoff also reported that United are out of the running for Medell. Sounds like he's going to Besiktas, uh, who is going to be in the Champions League group stage. So that's whatever the money concerns. That's something that's hard to compete with, even if there are, there are some other factors that made DC United a, a stronger potential option. Um, oh, it's nothing but failure upon Chile's national. Hold on, Ben is taking this. Show, not just, not just their senior. Show some card. respect not to the Washington Spirit, Yunara Aedo, who plays for Chile's national team. She didn't. What do, if she did not do anything to you? Our, our next signing after Medell or after. Okay, that's all. <laughs> I will not. I mean, she can you at least now, just limit it to the men, Ben? Okay, I'll limit it to the men. <laughs> we we got oh, Ben I, to step off the ledge ever so slightly. But I wish nothing but failure to all, like, not, phys- I, I, I don't want injury or disaster to happen to any of them, but I wish nothing but that they lose all of their game. You just want, I want them know, to play competitively. <laughs> yeah. Ben, yeah, I do. Ben, are, right. are you, uh, are you, 
We've are also you heard this, this is how, this Are you how, personally uh, the decide, rival of Chile's national team now? And dumb things make <laughs> sports rivalries happen. So I just wish nothing but failure upon them. Ben, I think you're trying to make fetch happen with this, though. I'm not. Ben is Ben Bromley is bring Chile's it, number. It's Chile. only part of the country that's true. Let's go with that. Let's put him in the top five. Come on, it's Chile. Chile I don't is think stupid. Chile is stupid. They're a tiny country that's long and mountainous, <laughs> and they don't get any rain because the rain breaks against them. Yeah, it breaks against the mountains. Bring in it, Chile. Chile. Bring it, Chile. Their coast gets rain. I also don't think Chile is stupid. I I, do. I like Chile. I, do. I enjoy the fans no, of theirs no. that I'm. I like the way they play soccer. I I like Chile and. I'm not going to hold it against a guy who wants to play uh, in in Europe when he can. Uh, I'm not going to hold that against Medell or his country. I am. But, Ben, you are free to. I'm going to. Like, I, I don't wish okay. anything bad upon Medell as a person. He's probably a perfectly nice person. Uh, I just wish failure on upon all his teams. Do you also wish failure on all of the Netherlands national teams because Nigel de Jong is not coming to DC United either, per reports? Uh, I have no opinion on Nigel de Jong. Okay, fair enough. Glaring? <laughs> These were obviously two um, pretty big-name defensive midfielders uh, who the front office were trying to bring in to address DC United's various various glaring, uh, obvious weaknesses Yeah, a shocking amount position. of money for Medell. They're not um, going to get those either figures, of those two those big names, no matter how much money they, they were willing to throw down. It no, no money like they were willing to throw for, down a I mean, pretty hefty I mentioned Marcelo Gallardo. That was nine this. years ago. It's not going um, to happen. It's been no money yeah, for anyone. There. For Medell. We didn't hear... It's a it's a whiplash inducing number. It's the kind of money that TFC throws yeah. around. The Medell numbers may have they may have well may as well have been a gazillion dollars, just a made up number, because they yeah right. What's funny too is Nigel De Jong, his time in LA prorated I think was five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, he was right. scheduled to get a bump, and that's like a big yeah. boost in pay, and that's part of why they let him go. He went to Fenerbahce, Very good. I think, in <laughs> Turkey. And was on a five hundred thousand dollar contract. Just assume that United would have paid him. Oh, Galatasaray. Sorry, I, I apologize to the various clubs of Istanbul. If yeah. if he had come over here at that same number, five hundred thousand uh, dollars in DP range, easily a TAM pay down yeah, type it's of player. A... Medell was in order yeah. of magnitude higher per year. Two orders of magnitude, in fact. No, just one order of magnitude. 500000 to $5 million a year. That's how much money they were offering Medell. Uh, and and he probably would have been worth it. He He's the kind of player that would have helped this team a lot, and they're not going to get it, in at least in the form of Gary Medell. So, Jason, my question to you is, to avoid a Marcelo Gallardo-type situation where you don't get one of your... You don't get option A or B. Don't know what order these two guys I mean, were, or if they were... You know, I mean, I don't have a, I, I don't have a possible name. concurrent um, options to bring in both it's of them. More, it's more of a knowing a that neither of, of them player, is coming um, in. The fact assuming that they're willing there's to a invest heavily in defensive midfield is a encouraging thing at this point. Um, even if because it's I think the way MLS. they're built, that's the position they end up stressing the most, and that's also arguably the position they're weakest at right now. Um, I mean, within MLS, there are a few uh, names that have, that we've talked about off air that. Um, I mean, Juninho isn't really playing much in Chicago. Um, he's been an MLS Cup winner a couple times. Um, he jumps out right away. Um, after that, though, at, once you get past Juninho, you're not really getting you're, you're you can improve uh, defend the defensive midfield situation, but you're not talking about guys that will be um, re- a remarkable change for United. And I think they do still need a remarkable step from where they are to. Uh, become a, a a reliable contender, not just last year's uh, brief lightning-in-a-bottle period. Um, and I, I don't think that, that that level of player isn't coming via trade, but you might be able to get someone like Fatai Alashe. Um, I know a lot of people have mentioned Darwin Saren. I don't think he can play that role, the role that United needs. I don't think that's... I think he needs a guy like Alashe next to him. Um, he's almost like a conservative number eight rather than a, a true defensive midfielder. I don't think he's cut out for what you know. If if Ian Harks hadn't signed, if he had gone to England, then I would say, yeah, sure, pursue Darwin Saren. He's not do it really active. He's not really involved in San Jose anymore. You might as well go get him. Um, Alashe falls into that that category, and he's not too old, which helps. Um, 
But yeah, there are plenty of guys of that caliber floating around MLS, and and the fact that we're talking about the money, the money that that was involved in this transfer makes me think that United would be willing to spend quite a bit of allocation money on a starting caliber defensive midfielder. So you start to look at the teams that are definitely going to miss the playoffs and wonder like, are they willing to just take the take the money and deal with? being terrible for the rest of the year. Unfortunately, most of those teams have a defensive midfield problem. Um, that That's not where this is going to get solved. You're not going to solve this by calling up uh, teams that already don't have any good defensive midfielders. But um, no, it, it, I almost feel like if they can't make a trade for Juninho um, and if Alache, if, if they call San Jose and San Jose wants a lot because they, I mean, Everyone knows DC needs a defensive midfielder. So the they're not going to catch a great deal from any of these teams. But if it's like, you're going to have to pay over the barrel for Alashe, then it's like, you know what, we're just going to have to wait until the winter, um, which will be very irritating. But also, I mean, you spend a lot of... The, the issue with going after the guys like Medell and De Jong is that they take a lot of your time. Those deals don't happen. It, it's not like in Football Manager where you just have to send a couple emails and it goes back and forth and that's it. These take up hours and hours of time uh, in each day. And you don't... I mean, they have to go to sleep sometime. Uh, they have other deals to complete. Um, and eventually you just run out of time. Yeah. And that might be, it might be what happens. Um, we've still got, what, uh, two full days and we're recording. It's 1034 right now. Um, so we've got like 50 hours left in the transfer window. So they might be able to put something together. I'm sure they've got other things on the back burner. Um, they didn't just go into this saying like, we're going to go for Gary Medell or Nigel DeYoung. And if those don't work, then we have no idea what to do. They didn't do that. Um, no team in MLS does stuff that even the dumbest team in MLS isn't doing something that stupid. Um, whether what's that? Well, the the Revs are getting uh, screamed at by player agents right now, but that's their own problem. Um, I mean, maybe we should maybe we should try and hit them up um, and and get Gershon Kofi or. Uh, are you sure? The Revs well, Kellen Rowe won't, won't really address any of our actual problems, but he's sure? still a nice player to add. Um, <laughs> I think their issue is they don't want to let anyone leave. Kellen Rowe. Um, that's been their thing forever. But anyway, this isn't a revolution podcast. Uh, not yet, anyway. Right. Um, I, I, during the podcast, Ouroboros will eventually cover a, every a, a team, including if you well, know somebody who plays on a five-on-five team, we'll cover them, too, um, because we have now infinity to deal with. Uh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's going to take a while. I mean, we might be here for, like, it's a, 900 it's a, years. It's a making fun of them. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to call them FC now? As a nickname, they they will be down the list of <laughs> priority. I, I, let us know. Yeah, I know. Let us I, know. I, I do, we'll get to it eventually. I do. Have they been going to the games? FC. No. I. I mean, you could still go to a game. Once congratulations. Well. I'm just curious. I don't know I'm what they do. The, no. <laughs> I'm just from Cincinnati. Anyway, my parents. Um, the the defensive midfield no, situation. I mean, it's going to be a strange couple days because so we might see nothing. We might see a trade. I feel like a trade is more city. likely than an international signing. Okay, but well, you're, they you're may have had somebody on the back burner as an international signing. They were like, if we can't land Medell, then this is. I'm going to make my wife and, and listen maybe, to that part, and it's going to be awesome. We might be talking more of a Concacaf kind of player um, rather than someone from Europe. But um, the the important thing is that either they improve the position drastically. Or they don't be stupid and spend it on a player that isn't going to improve the position drastically. Um, and they take the heat. You know, if it comes down to it, I would rather them not overspend now if, they, if they've got no one else that's actually good. And they're signing a guy. They shouldn't sign a guy. Um, I mean, as a DC United fan, I don't want that. But as a Ben fan, I do. Uh, that would be very difficult to, for me to parse. <laughs> Unless it's- yeah, I'm conflicted as well. Uh, we're on to the late breaking stuff. Just before we we started recording this podcast, word it became official that Lamar Nagel has been traded back to Seattle for a fourth round draft pick. This is mostly um, kind of recognition of a few things, uh, including the fact that he was not having a great year here last year. He was kind of a super sub, definitely an impact player. This year he hasn't been. He scored one goal, and that was from a PK. He had been essentially perfect on penalties before he missed a PK this year. He hasn't been that influential when entering games. He also straight up said in the press that he wanted to go back to his hometown where his family is, where his whole network is, and that's Seattle. Yeah. And 
So for the second time in his career, don't he's been get, traded back to Seattle. Don't get worked up about the terms of this and, deal. And uh, coming back to DC in exchange is a fourth round draft pick in this upcoming draft, and uh, which is essentially a uh, a you know set of cones for for training. It's right. it's it's yeah. It that's a fig leaf to make it passable at the league office. But this was what United is getting. Also, is a roster spot for Zoltan. Uh, Steber and some salary cap space, depending on which report you believe. We've heard yeah, conflicting but, things. We, we, uh, I will say, the, the salary cap doesn't even matter. No, it doesn't because it's just for this year. They're they're getting rid of a player not not in their thirties, and last year doesn't bear out that last year has not been not so getting rid of it's just the heart of Emily. It's not even that I'm harsh. I'm fine with it. It's not even that I harsh. Mean, it, he gets it, to go. It's, it's, it's a hand it's pick where he goes. It's harsher in the sense that it is unfeeling business. Even then, it's he still got to go where he he basically said he would rather be in Seattle than DC right now because he's right. not starting. And that's all. And because that's Dave what he Cass, gets. Yeah, Dave Caspers tries. To, and yeah, Seattle, I, 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 Seattle also happened to have a need. They weren't going to trade for him, even for the the nominal. And, well, I would price say, of a fourth round draft pick. They wouldn't have traded for him if they didn't. But I would also have the roster spot. Don't and worry about the fact that they didn't get more him at least um, in training. Because if, in this situation, in real games. What they so, wanted yeah, was is, an empty roster spot. This worked out um, well. They I had a guy everyone. that wanted to go um, be elsewhere. Don't, don't worry about um, the draft pick. It's they have a, two it's not a new deal. wingers. We think it's, it's, with Miranda it's a, it's, and Steve. It's a chess move. To um, prep themselves for next. He's not going to play very much, so he's not going to do do you any good just being here. So getting anything in that situation, I mean, you do right by the player, and you also clear what you wanted, which is clear the roster spot. Um, beyond that, it's not really much to worry about. And also, teams know when you make that phone call that you're not go- you're not going to come in and be like, "Give us your first round pick," um, because they're going to hang up on you. Um, the real value at that point is they know that you're in a position where you need to get rid of somebody. Um, and you're not going to get a lot for that. So the fourth round pick is basically, like Adam said, um, it's the token thing you have to throw in. Um, and people, I, I mean, I saw the reaction that was a little like, why didn't we get more for Nagel? It's like, well, we're not going to get more for Nagel right now. The way the season's gone, the position that we're in, the position that he's in, that everyone knows how things are going, you're not going to get more. So just be glad that they freed up the roster spot and can... Uh, bring in the new players they're bringing in without having to change much. The last thing on our list right now, uh, I haven't checked Twitter in a couple minutes, so I don't know if there's some other news. Steve Goff tweeting out that Bobby Boswell is now on the trading block up until this year from his return to DC in 20 for the 2014 season through last year. He was the team captain uh, that, that moved to Steve Birnbaum this year and Boswell has mostly been on the bench this year and when he's played he'd ha- he's had a couple of good moments he helped right the ship early in the season when united started off on a slide um but really hasn't been able to replicate his defender of the year runner-up form from 2014 or even his still very good form in 2015 last year saw him take a step back this year to saw him stop being an effective starter in mls i think a lot of people would say he's now on the trading block uh steve goff seemed to imitate or intimate that he um boswell could go to a contender i don't know if that was goff hinting at information other information he has that uh there's a contender for mls cup interested in boswell or if that's just goff speculating and uh, trying to help sell a dc united player to a skeptical market uh, Boswell certainly almost was he would like free up some cap space going forward. One of those guys that was just not going to get moved. Be a chip um, of and some not, kind you in know, a trade, especially in if the starting lineup. Maybe hung on for he held on to it for a little too long, um, longer than is merited. Um, to given add? his form, um, given the way the season was going, given a lot of things, um, it just seemed like he was one of those guys that was for, for locker room reasons or team culture reasons. It was just he was going to get a little extra protection, but. If you step back away from that, it makes sense to move him on because we know he's not going to get better. Um, we know at his age he's not going to get better. Um, and this team needs to improve at center back. Uh, if he were still playing at a starter level, then no, of course he's not going to get traded, but he's not playing anywhere close to a starter's level. So um, 
if you th- if they think that he might draw some interest, they've got to move him. And quite frankly, they should be taking what they can get. Um, this is this isn't a situation where I see them being like, well, let's hold out for something more. Um, this is a situation where if you get something useful uh, for for him, the way this season has gone, you've got to do it. And I mean, Boswell's done a lot for DC United, but the reality is the team can't afford to carry him at his salary point at his age. Um, and, and, you know, there's a certain professional pride there too, where if he's not going to be starting on a bottom team, um, that's, that can't feel good for him either. Um, and realistically he shouldn't be starting on this team. So, um, if some other team thinks they've got a use for him, then great. Uh, then that's kind of a win-win for everybody. As long as they're, as long as they're offering like a little something, I would like to see that not be a fourth round pick. Um, I think they can get a little more for that, but if that's what it comes down to, then so be it. Them getting that salary cap uh, figure, that getting that money off of there, that's a decent player can come in for that kind of money. Um, and they might need the roster spot too, uh, given that things keep happening. I mean, I felt like they needed one at the start of the season, that, um, but the way they play, I don't think he would work for them. But then on the other hand, um, I'm not sure how good a coach... Uh, Panovich actually is. I think he just got handed a great roster and is sort of riding that to success rather than actually yeah, being Yeah, if it's uh, a trade, it could be a trade involving a player coming back this way. Um, <laughs> does Chicago it, need Nelson a Rodriguez, back if you're listening, uh, make the deal. Just, David Akam for Bobby Bond. Actually, why don't, why don't we make it even? David Akam and 400000 in uh, allocation money for Bobby Boswell. Come on, Nelson. You know it's fair. And the 400000 in allocation money. They should definitely trade uh, Akam. They have already exercised his option, apparently. Or do Nino. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. David Akam and for Bobby Bob. <laughs> yeah, We are completely fair and objective here at Filibuster. Of course you and do. And I see no reason why Nelson Rodriguez would not listen to our advice on this. And somehow no new trades or rumors have broken. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, sorry, Adam. You- yes, I'm going to a contender. Yes. <laughs> I can live with this. Wait, do I have to learn to speak Canadian? Yeah. Um, okay, A. I think that's it for this, apparently, my final episode of Filibuster. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. You can find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter, at FilibusterDCU for the podcast, at BlackAndRedU for the website. I'm at the underscore AMT on Twitter. Ben is at BromleyBRU. Jason is at no, ChestRockWell14. That's not? I thought you were... What what are B-R- you? B R U Bromley. That's what I've been B-R-U for like Bromley. three years. Now. And I got the order mixed up. I apologize. At B R U Bromley for Ben. Jason is at Chest Rockwell fourteen. This is the first time I've actually you know said our personal Twitter handles on the show in like five years of doing it. So I feel for pretty your, good for your last episode. Yeah, you know I got to go out on what would have been a high note, but has since been ruined. Find this show on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, at the Internet Archive, at Google Play, or the podcatcher of your choice. Thanks again for listening. We're on Patreon. If you feel like supporting us financially, patreon.com slash filibuster. And Ben and Jason, anyway, we'll talk to you real soon. Till then, uh, for those two, I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. 25 or 64. I was actually going to be annoyed if you didn't do it there, but...